faithwire.com. Joe Biden holds a press conference and gets grilled on, quote, overpromises, end quote, and the hard times that Americans are facing. Today is Wednesday, January 19th, 2022. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. You can find us on iTunes. We are here Monday through Friday. We'd love to have you join us. We're navigating the news. It's a crazy world out there. Why not do it with someone who shares your values? So hopefully that's us. Um, the 4 and 3 podcast on iTunes. You can find us there. Joining me, as always today, Trey Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire. What's going on, fellas? Just gathering my earmuffs, my gloves, all my gear <laughs> yes. for the March for yes. Life. Yes, we will be yeah. at the March for Life. You can follow along with us on social media, on YouTube, CBN News YouTube channel, and um, as well on uh, Faithwire Facebook, CBN News Facebook, all the socials. Just just look for our socials. You'll find it. But but you, we're sending you guys down there. What's the weather? What is the weather supposed oh, to be like uh, in D.C.? Balmy, balmy 19 degrees. Is it really? <laughs> I thought it was supposed to be in the 30s. 30. 30, 19 wow. to 30, I think. Wow. Yeah. So we can be cold, but y'all can watch it from the comfort of your of your home i'm so. excited i got earmuffs i got it'll new be gloves. Fun. i just keep earmuffs things I, amazon yeah i'm i'm torn on the see i would just go with like a beanie hat sort of situation but see they go around the back of your head these earmuffs so oh. they're they're not like top of your head earmuffs okay all right yeah. <laughs> i wish yeah. you were wearing the top of your head puffy earmuffs because i, I mean, think that would be fun <laughs> you never know i may i may have a giant scarf wrapped around my whole face but it is key <laughs> to keep the extremities Keep them warm. That's the key yeah. on a cold day. Layer up. There so, all right. So what's uh, what's coming up, guys? So uh, I'm going to be talking about Starbucks because they've made an interesting decision uh, regarding vaccination, one that I wasn't expecting uh, in, in 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 the wake of the Supreme Court's ruling on Biden's mandate. So we'll talk about that. And I'm going to be talking about the massive seismic shift in Christian persecution that was revealed today by Open Doors USA in their annual World Watch List. All right, looking forward to those. We are going to start right here on story number one, and that is Joe Biden, who uh, at the start of the taping here, guys, was still going with his press conference today, <laughs> but um, was getting, honestly, a little bit grilled. I mean, when you consider the standards from a media that generally leans left in the mainstream, um, getting some tough questions asked right out of the shoot about, hey, Americans are higher gas prices, inflation's going up, all of these things going on. And you, you know, 1500 people a day still dying from COVID. You promised all of these things. Was it too much? Did you overpromise? So I just want to play, here's an extended clip of uh, Joe Biden responding to the claim that, and the question that he had overpromised to Americans. Here's what he said. I didn't overpromise. And what I have probably uh, outperformed what anybody thought would happen. The fact of the matter is that uh, we're in a situation where uh, we have made enormous progress. You mentioned the number of deaths from COVID. Well, it was uh, three times that not long ago. It's coming down. Everything's changing. It's getting better. Look, um, I didn't overpromise, but I think if you take a look at what we've been able to do, uh, you'd have to acknowledge we made enormous progress. But one of the things that I think is something that uh, one thing I haven't been able to do so far is get my Republican friends to get in the game of making things better in this country. 
for example, I was reading the other day, and I, had, I wrote the quote down so I don't misquote him. A quote from Senator Sununu when he decided that he wasn't going, excuse me, Governor Sununu, when he decided he wasn't going to run for the Senate in New Hampshire. Here's what he said. They were all, for the most quote, they were all, for the most part, content with the speed at which they weren't doing anything. It was very clear that we just had to hold the line for two years. Okay, so I'm just going to be a roadblock for the next two years? That's not what I do, Sununu said. He went on to say, it bothered me that they were okay with that. Then he was on to say, I said, okay, so we're not going to get stuff done if we win the White House back, if we win the White House back. Why didn't we do anything in 2017 and 2018? And then he said, how the Republican Sununu spoke to answer the challenge? He said, crickets, yeah, crickets. They had no answer. I did not anticipate that there'd be such a stalwart effort to make sure that the most important thing was that President Biden didn't get... So long clip there, but uh, you get the general idea here. He was going on essentially laying the blame at the feet of Republicans for not getting anything done, even though Democrats currently control the House and obviously the Senate, you know, the main ones that are holding things up and the 50-50 split there are a couple of Democrats who don't want to go along with him. He's having a hard time getting all the Democrats to even agree uh, with his agenda. So it's not so cut and dry as to simply just uh, blame Republicans. And, um, you know, just an interesting tactic there. But uh, uh, here's, one, here's one more clip I want to play from uh, Joe Biden. This one's shorter, a lot shorter than that, I promise. Think about this. What are Republicans for? What are they for? Name me one thing they're for. And so the problem here is that I think what's happens, what I have to do in the, in the change in, in the tactic, if you will, I have to make clear to the American people what we are for. We passed a lot. So there you go. He's, he's laying the, the blame at the feet of the Republicans. And, and then asking that question, guys, what are Republicans for? And this is a very interesting one here. And this is why I'll, I'll move into point number two, a couple of the other things that he said. But you know, the blame game was very interesting um, because this is the same. I remember the Democratic Party were the ones who birthed the resistance just um, during the Donald Trump administration. And I think it's a little disingenuous to sit there. And I think both sides do this to some extent. But um, I, you see Democrats do it a lot. And it's this whole, well, Republicans are holding up the works. They're just the party of no. And, and I think it's, I mean, I think people generally understand that Republicans and Democrats have different views on how the country is best run. So I think it's natural and logical that Democrats would oppose most of the things Republicans do and Republicans would oppose most of the things Democrats do. So I don't know, I don't really know how this is some shock to President Biden here that, oh my gosh, I cannot understand how the Republicans are just not going along with everything I'm putting out there. I don't get it. Um, and so I think it's such a, it's a, in a way, a cheap sort of political narrative trick to say that the Republicans are just blocking progress because there's obviously just fundamental differences in how things should be run and, and how 
you know, how you should build a, you know, putting a massive multi-trillion dollar build back better bill that just goes against a small government party, allegedly, uh, with Republicans in, in a lot of ways. So naturally, they wouldn't think that's a good thing for the country and that we wouldn't want to do that. So therefore, they think they're doing the right thing. So to me, it's just a it's kind of a cheap trick on that front, guys. But real quick, before we before we just react to sort of Biden's uh, comments there, um, he also said that he'd consider he because he touted Build Back Better again, which a lot of people are saying is just sort of dead on arrival here. But he said he'd be willing to break it up and then push the parts that they can pass. Um, and he also went, went in on on these big four meat producers. He kept saying that meat prices were high because of these, um, you know, the uh, sort of the monopoly in the in the meat industry. And so that was an interesting one that he kept going uh, back to. So um, so this was Biden's attempt, guys, uh, at addressing the country in a time of, you know, a lot of uncertainty and hardship going on. So um, why does it matter? Obviously, it matters because this Biden's our president here for the next couple of years. And so um, the things that he's putting forward are the things we're going to be living under. He also uh, addressed his his mandate somewhat. He was asked about it, but he, he pretty much deflected a little bit, did say that, well, some companies are just going ahead and doing it anyway, even though the court ruled against it, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, there you have it. Uh, Joe Biden giving his comments to the nation today. Um, I just don't understand how anybody spends 11 decades working in Washington and walks away and says, I'm surprised by this. Like, it's just, I know, right? Yeah, this is this is politics. But I think the bigger problem here is that one of the things that has not been delivered on, and this is something that everybody is really responsible for, but you know, I always say the person at the top, whether it's Trump or Biden or whoever it is, they are responsible for setting the tone. And the tone has consistently been after promises of uniting everyone a targeted tone um, since the beginning. I, I feel like there was the promise made that that he would be a uniter, and I think we haven't quite seen that in rhetoric. I, right now, if your approval rating is in the 30s, you're looking for someone to blame. And so this is just politics, and it's weird, and yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine anybody's really buying this, right? That, that like, you know, he is just this really down-to-earth man who's just trying to advocate for us, <laughs> but he just, if only these pesky Republicans would just get out of the way. Right. It's like, well, actually, your agenda is quite radical. There's, <laughs> th there is an enormous amount of, uh, of like, fundamental shifts that would take place with the build back better plan and how we run government and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's an enormous spending undertaking. It's like there it's, it's not as if he's just this moderate uh, milk toast guy uh, who has this really middle of the road agenda and he just can't get any Republicans to be his friend. Like that's just not what's, that's not what's happening. And I can't remember which journalist it was, what outlet they were at, but I, I want to say kudos to whoever they were because uh, after Biden made that comment, comment about Republicans uh, essentially blocking everything and, and refusing to be for anything, whatever, and refusing to support his agenda. Uh, the journalist said, well, there are two Democrats who actually are, are responsible for holding up uh, a lot of this. It's not just the Republicans. You can't even get your own party uh, on board. And she's talking about, obviously, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. Um, so, yeah, I think that just shows that there it's not like he's just this moderate guy pushing a moderate, bland yeah, agenda. Yeah. Um, there's stuff that's that, that's more radical, and he's struggling to get support among more than just Republicans. 
Yeah. And um, it, this to, to further that point, uh, he actually said at one point, he said, I like Mitch McConnell. Uh, we like one another, but he has one straightforward objective to make sure that there's nothing I do that makes me look good with the public at large. <laughs> I mean, again, we just came off four years of Donald Trump. I mean, uh, does anyone take this as a legitimate defense? Like, seriously? No. I mean, it's it's impossible to take seriously this this line of uh, defense. And but he's look, he's got to do something. He's got to go out there. I mean, he's got a terrible approval rating right now, and um, he's got to go out there and and say something. And so I guess they've decided throughout all of their um, polling and whatever else they do internally that this is going to be the uh, uh, the best thing that they can do. That that it'll rally the base, as they say. So yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. It's, you know, it's not breaking news that Democrats and Republicans are not BFFs. Right, exactly, yes. Um, so, but I think Americans just want, you know, food on the shelves when they go grocery shopping. Yeah, that'd be so, nice. Uh, yeah, I, I think maybe take the pulse a little bit better before you, you know, go out and say what you say, but whatever. No, just uh, say whatever you want. No, don't take any pleasure. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> All right, story number two. So Starbucks announced in a memo this week that they will no longer require uh, employees to be vaccinated against the uh, coronavirus after the Supreme Court rejected, uh, obviously, Joe Biden's vaccination mandate for companies employing 100 or more people. Uh, John Culver, the Starbucks chief operating officer, said we respect the court's ruling and will comply, uh, which is more than Biden said, because I think uh, if I remember right earlier during the press conference, Biden said, I think they made the wrong decision. It was a bad decision. Uh, and then he said that there are still companies that are moving forward, as you said, right. Dan, with with the mandate. But Starbucks is not one of them. Uh, so this is what uh, the Associated Press said. They say his company strikes. Its company also told workers on Tuesday that they shouldn't wear cloth cloth masks uh, to work and should instead use medical grade surgical masks. Uh, what's interesting is that this comes after, as we point number two here, comes after Carhartt uh, made the announcement that uh, unvaccinated workers uh, are a risk to our company uh, and they're unwilling to take that risk, uh, the company said. Uh, so they are still moving forward with their vaccination mandate. I believe there were conservative uh, radio talk radio hosts who were you know, pulling Carhartt ads or you're saying like, we're, we'll start airing ads for competitors to Carhartt uh, because they're moving forward with this vaccination mandate. Because uh, a lot of the blue collar people obviously use Carhartt and a lot of them are conservative people. Uh, so uh, it's gotten a lot of negative press and conservative media over the last few days. So it's interesting to see that juxtaposition. Uh, and I think as far as why is it, why does it matter? Look, this is an issue that's not just about vaccinated or not vaccinated, safe or not safe. It, it's having real life ramifications as far as people actually showing up to work. Like there are people who are not coming to work. That's part of the reason we're having the labor shortage that we have. That's part of the reason we've had the nursing shortage that we've had uh, is these vaccination mandates. And that's something that seems like the left is not, at least not the White House, uh, is willing to admit. Like part of the reason why you're having so many staffing shortages some of it, yes, is because people are getting sick, uh, but most of them are okay, and they end up after a couple of weeks coming back. Uh, but a lot of it is people who are not complying with the vaccination mandates or, you know, for whatever reason, whether they just don't want to get it or they have a, a, a medical reason or a religious exemption for not getting it. Uh, some of these people are not coming back to work because they don't want to comply with the mandate. Uh, so I, it's, it's interesting to see, like I said, that Starbucks, which is generally like a left-leaning corporation has taken the stance that they are. I'm sure some of it is a bottom line issue. They need people to come to work. 
so I don't know. What what do y'all think about uh, about the Starbucks decision? Well, people want their lattes. I mean, at the end of the day, but no, but yeah. No, I, I think you're. I think that's an interesting observation there. That I think at the end of the day, the bottom line is going to talk most when yeah. when they just can't get workers there because of that something like that. They're going to make that change and they're going to do it. Um, and it, and um, you know, I guess if you have the luxury to choose one way or the other, then a lot of people make that choice. I think very few would would just go ahead and you know torpedo themselves over something like this um usually they're going to just go the bottom line will just speak the loudest usually yeah i mean at the end of, at the end of the day you're correct if people aren't going to be able to show up to work or if people are going to you know be too ill or all these different things you know, you've got to you've got to address it i think it's interesting they they're changing the type of mask that they're recommending, right? That's right. a whole other piece of this that, you know, here we are, everyone was forced into cloth masks who works at a Starbucks, I'm assuming, and, or at least encouraged to wear them. And now it's like, Oh no, go, go get the surgical ones, which apparently we all should have been wearing the whole time if that's true. Right. Even so there's, I mean, there's so many factors in this, but I, I'm, I'm thinking we're going to see more companies um, take a similar approach to this as we move forward, because this is really, it's unsustainable. And look, you know, we've got people saying, come come back to work after five days, even if you test positive, just put on a thicker mask, right? So even even those things are starting to become more lenient um, across the board. Yeah. Well, I think it, two years in, it's incredible that it took this long, but people and companies are finally realizing oh, COVID didn't happen or doesn't exist in a vacuum. Like it's having ramifications far outside just whether somebody has COVID or, or doesn't have COVID. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree with you, Billy. I think we're going to see more companies uh, going along the lines of, of what Starbucks has done. I didn't see whether they're still requiring testing or not, but I, I would assume they are. Um but it's it's still an interesting an interesting position. Well, and then also there's just you know you throw into the mix just the bizarre things that we do to quote unquote feel safe. Um, right. I think I've mentioned before, you know, in the public school district here, if you do any activity there on the campus, they've sent out mask requirements, and it's like, oh, wear a mask here uh, when you walk in. Now, if you're out on the court with your you know student athlete coaching or whatever the case may be well then you can take it off the students when they're in the <laughs> midst of the athletic activity they can take their masks off but on the sidelines they've got to put them on and you're just looking around going i i don't understand any of this this where's doesn't the make sense where's the sense well, here so uh, but maybe some of these employers are starting to look because remember at restaurants it was hey you walk to your seat with it on and then take it off like as if covid didn't exist in your seat area it only so, happens. It only happens as you're walking. Only you as you're walking, right? Your yeah. Stationary right. subjects, it doesn't spread. It's dormant to... once you sit down in front of food. <laughs> you know what's what's sparking this? though, really is the reality that because anyone with a brain that's watching this is seeing the fact that it's not just if the if the vaccinated were unable to spread Omicron or any other version of COVID, yeah. that would be a different situation. But I think everyone's looking at this and realizing, well, if everybody's spreading it, then having these mandates and losing staff, like you guys were saying, when we don't need to, doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. Clearly, everyone is spreading this. Mm. Yeah, well, indeed. And so we'll see. We'll see how long this takes. I mean, I'm still, I, in my mind, guys, I'm like fast forwarding ahead to like a few years from now. I don't know. I mean, hopefully it's a few months from now. When everyone has tried to make the ridiculous things we've done with the masks go down the memory hole, but then somebody brings out a documentary and it's like, 
It's like one of those old newsreels, and it's like, people went to the restaurants and took their masks off when they sat down, but put them on when they got up. And everyone's like, what? You did that? Astronaut suits in the next, like, eight months. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Good point. Maybe maybe like 30 years, I'm going to be telling my great-grandkids about this (laughs) while they're looking at me through their astronaut suits. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Well, that brings us to our last story, which... Um, is is really a shocking um, story. It's about the fact that Afghanistan is now the worst nation in the world for Christian persecution. This is according to Open Doors USA. This is an organization that we often cite. They track global religious, um, you know, maltreatment. And what's so intriguing about this is that for 20 years, North Korea was really the worst place to be a Christian in the world. Undisputed and champion. Exactly. Undisputed champion of being the worst place to be a believer. <laughs> and, you know, we know about North Korea. It's reclusive. It's oppressive. Um, and so they had been in that top spot. Uh, but this year we spoke with uh, David Curry, who is the CEO of Open Doors USA, and he told us that this big seismic shift has unfolded. Um, obviously, it's no secret. The U.S. pulled out of Afghanistan in a very chaotic move back in August, and that move move has really fueled a lot of the chaos happening there. Um, And again, this is not new in Afghanistan. Uh, One of the major things to point out is that there have been obviously problems for a very long time. The U.S. was on the ground for decades, and well before that, there were issues. So the issues aren't new, but the situation really devolved when the U.S. had that chaotic withdrawal. And what David Curry said, which is really interesting and and really unfortunate, that, that pullout basically emboldened Islamic extremists, not Mm. only in Afghanistan, but all around the world. And he said they believe that it's going to, quote, have a ripple effect. So we don't even know that we've seen everything that's going to come out of this. And we've talked about this on the show, but clearly other countries and other regimes will look and see and they'll wonder, well, is America going to stay the course? Are they going to care enough to come after us if we do something? You know, how far can Mm. we push this? And so that's one of the reasons why it matters. But just to kind of give a little more insight on North Korea, I think most listeners probably know, but North Korea moved to the second spot, by the way. So it's still it's still up there. It's not number one anymore, but it's it's number two. Um, and there's no sign that the chaos there is going to retreat. Um, you have to remember, this is a post-communist system. It's generational. They essentially worship Kim Jong-un, um, and he's obviously a dictator. People are forced into that worship. And David Curry, you know, basically took us through, and you can watch the video and read about it over on Faithwire, what that communist system looks like, because we don't want to forget that this is obviously still a major issue, but the Afghan issue is paramount. One other thing to mention is China. Uh, China comes in at number 17, which is a little bit deceptive in some ways, because yes, they're number 17. There are 16 other countries who are worse but he talked about the fact that China is unique and that they have this system and this technology that really is unparalleled, that they're going after Mm -hmm. Christians in a way that is very different from what's happening in Afghanistan in terms of their ability to track and shut down churches and restrict travel and so many other things. And so why does all of this matter? Well, it matters because what goes on in other places impacts America. Mm -hmm. It impacts all of us. And, you know, there, there are probably five different layers that we could peel back there, but we have some real moral questions that we have to ask about what our role is, if any, in helping curb these sorts of acts of persecution. And then on a spiritual 
forefront, you know, as Christians, making sure that we're aware of what's happening so we can pray for the people in Afghanistan, in North Korea, in China, in all of the other countries who are on the world watch list. So um, I'll stop there. I don't know what you guys think, but it's it's a little sobering. Mm. Yeah, indeed it is. And uh, I mean, you know, we've said it before, but I, I always, it's just a moment of kind of perspective for me. You know, you, you think of the worries of our day and you know, you, you run through those and, you know, then you look at what some of these people are going through in these countries. And now we have some kind of countries rising up the list there. And so it's, it's just a good reminder, you know, that we need to be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ in these regions. And I'm thankful for the work that Open Doors does to track this stuff and monitor this stuff, because I mean, if it weren't for people like them, you, I mean, you're just not going to get the mainstream media to care too much about Christian mm. persecution unless it's really overt. Um, yeah. At least that's been my experience and my uh, my time following the news. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I would want to back up what you were saying too about it is a good perspective. Uh, it's a good a good reminder to to shift our perspective. Uh, that's why I'm so thankful for what World Watch List does, for what Open Doors does with the World Watch List, because uh, I think it gives us a lot of clarity about what uh, the rest of the world faces, or what so many in the rest of the world face, uh, and the blessings that we have in the United States uh, with with the ability to worship freely, even even though there there are certainly instances of instances of discrimination and and wrong wrongful action, uh, we are not facing the violent persecution that so many around the world are facing. And that's, that's a blessing. Uh, I think too, it's important what you were talking about, Billy, about the nuances of realizing just because you're 17 doesn't mean you don't need to worry about China, you know, or just because North Korea is no longer number one doesn't mean they're not a threat anymore, Uh, which is why I think it's important uh, not only to check out Open Doors and their world watch list and read about it, uh, but also, uh, you know, to, to watch your interview uh, with David Curry, because I know he breaks down some of that about why it's so important, because it is misleading sometimes. Uh, but there, there are all kinds of different nuggets of wisdom in those interviews uh, that we can, we can glean and, and use in, in our prayer for believers who are, who are facing persecution. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And in, in particular, you know, Afghanistan is mentioned there. I mean, just yeah. watching what, what, how that's, I mean, it's always, Obviously, it's not been an easy place to be a Christian, but, you know, given everything that's gone on there, it's uh, and and again, I think we predicted that this was going to happen, guys. I mean, Afghanistan has essentially fallen off the map from from consistent mainstream media coverage. And, uh, you know, there's as far as I know, they're, they're still trapped there. People are still stuck now. And you have this repressive rule taking root yet again. And, um, yeah, it's just, uh, our prayers are needed there for sure. And, um, Mm. you know, as I said, in particular in places like, uh, like Afghanistan. So, all right, guys, that is all the time we have for today on this Wednesday. Thanks for being here. Uh, as always head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. And don't forget to join us on the March for life on Friday, Billy and Trey, you guys will be out there freezing Human Your ice toes cubes. off. Yes, human, human ice, ice cubes. cubes. Human ice cubes. So um, join us for that. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.